Berserker Cast episode number 24, Falling Skies, season 5, episode 9, Reunion. This is Drew Roy, also known as Hal Mason on Falling Skies. You're listening to the Berserker Cast on Golden Spiral Media. Golden Spiral Media presents... Berserker Cast, a podcast dedicated to falling skies on TNT. Each week we discuss the action and drama that unfolds as Tom Mason, Captain Weaver, the Berserkers, and the rest of the Second Mass fight to win back the planet from the alien overlords. Call in your thoughts about each episode at 304-837-2278 or email feedback at goldenspiralmedia.com. And now, Berserker Cast. Salutations. Hello, Earthlings. Welcome to Berserker Cast. Aloha. <laughs> I like what you did there. Are there, are there tornadoes around anywhere? Uh, no, not, none that I can see. Okay. Hawaii is free and clear of tornadoes. Good. That's right, folks. I'm podcasting live from Hawaii. That was a lie. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. How you doing, Emily? I'm doing very well. Today was a very good and productive day for me, and I am just very excited now to detox by talking about falling skies. Oh, I'm glad I could be part of your detox program. Yes. And thank you for introducing me. You know, I said, hey, how you doing, Emily? And you just... You know that I don't introduce you. I It's, it's like my rule is I just... I never introduce you. If I want to get introduced, I have to do it myself? Pretty much. I see. Well, I'm Daryl, in case this is your first time tuning in, which oh, if you if it is, Darryl. we're glad you have, have tuned in to this episode. I'm glad that they've tuned into this episode. Are you now? Well, <laughs> All right. Wow. As, <laughs> Let's get going. <laughs> as we said in the intro, we are talking about uh, season five, episode nine, which is the penultimate episode, not only of oh, the season. Darryl's favorite word. It is my favorite word. <laughs> but what I don't like, though, is that in this case, it's not just applicable to the season. It is indeed the penultimate episode of the series. Very sad. Man, I cannot believe the end is here. Yeah. You know what? I'm going to make a note in our notes because I thought about this during dinner and then didn't think about it once I got back in here. But I'm going to put in here a section called predictions for next week. Hey. All righty. Because I I think it's going to be a, a pretty interesting little exercise if we do that. You know, it's kind of fun to take a little break and do some predictions so that you can Absolutely. I think that's see how it, how it comes down. So we'll do that. We'll do that okay. at the end. So uh, this episode was entitled Reunion. Now, when we mentioned the name of that episode last week, <laughs> I said, well, first thing that comes to my mind is Lexi. And I, I, even, I even laughed oh because I thought that was just a ridiculous idea. Although I think, I think, um, Ian also had mentioned that it might be Lexi in his uh, BC yeah. twit. So <laughs> I know, I know I laughed. I was just like, whatever she's, I mean, she's over and done. I know. Right. What are they going to bring wow. her back? What? Come on. I know. <laughs> <laughs> well, guess yes, what? We, had, we had several reunions in this episode and we will get into that. But before we do, uh, this episode was directed by Brad Turner. This was his first episode directing this show and it was written by Mark Dubay. Or Doobie, however you... There's no accent on the E. Yeah, I was going to say Dubé, but... Dubé. Um, yep. 
Doobie's kind of a cool name too. But he has been part of the show for a very long time. I know he's been, I think, a producer for at least two years, if not more. Mm-hmm. So he's been heavily involved, which I don't know. I feel like it's more evident when a writer has been involved in the show, mm-hmm. how we perceive the content. I think it, it improves it for us, or at least in my yeah. observation. But yeah, not no, always, I not exclusively, but often. <laughs> yeah, I agree with yeah. that most of the time. And of course, okay, so the first time I watched this episode, I did not see the guest star credits rolling. Mm-hmm. So if I had been watching like I was the second time, I would have seen Scarlet Burn. <laughs> oh, really? See, but, I never pay attention to those things. And I'm so glad because there are, yeah. I can't tell you over the years of podcasting how many times that has saved me from being spoiled. Because oh, I yeah. never I never pay attention to those. Right. Well, and usually I know in previous episodes, I have seen actors names and have been like, mm-hmm. oh, and, you know, but um, like, especially at the beginning of the season when we saw the actress who plays Tom's wife mm-hmm. imitated mm-hmm. by the Dornia. I, I, re- I remember seeing her name a lot Yeah, and knowing then that she, the Dornia was going to make it an appearance. But yeah, I was I was pleasantly surprised to get quarter of the way through the episode and see Lexi appear. Yeah. What a surprise. Yeah, 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 definitely. That was a pleasant surprise. Well, we're going to talk about the episode in just a second. We have a couple of short announcements before we get into it. These are some things we mentioned last week. And um, if you're in our pre-show, we talked about. But um, the Dragon Con meetup is happening in just over a week. And we are recording this on Tuesday, August 25th. Thursday, September 3rd is the meetup. So it's like what, nine days away from when we are recording this, eight days from when we are releasing it. So anyway, we'd love for you to be a part of that. It's going to be in Atlanta, September 3rd at 7 p.m. Um, at, an, at a restaurant called Einstein's, which is on Juniper near the downtown area. You are invited. We just need to get a head count. So we've set up a Facebook event page. You can find that at Facebook. Um, you, you can, but the, you can find it at goldenspiralmedia.com slash DC15. And if you don't have Facebook, you can also just go over to the feedback page, goldenspiralmedia.com slash feedback and submit feedback for this show or any show. It all comes to me and just say, hey, I'm going to be there so uh, we can get a head count. Let the folks at Einstein know or Einstein's rather uh, how many of us to expect should be a lot of fun. I'm going to be there. Emily's going to be there. Doug, my person of interest partner in crime is going to be there. Brian Kane from Arrow Squad is going to be there. Uh, Martin, who we you're going to hear from yeah. tonight, is uh, going to be there. Um, and Barb. Barb is going to be there. She'll from hear from our chat her. room. Yeah. yeah. I was, I was, <laughs> I was getting around to her. I, was, I hadn't forgotten her. I but, know, but uh, I wanted to say it first. I see. Because I see. points. Yes. So a lot of folks are going to be there. So we'd love to have you too. The other announcement, we mentioned this last week as well. Don't want you f- to forget about this. The Falling Skies auction is taking place and it is going to be here sooner than you may realize August 29th and 30th. That is this weekend folks. So it's the weekend before the finale. The finale is this weekend. So if you want to participate in the auction, we'll have the links to this, uh, to it in the show notes for this episode. This is episode 24 berserker cast. So you can go over to our website and check it out. They're also there for episode 23 that we did last week. It's also over at iCollector.com. That's the website I'm looking at right now, the letter iCollector.com. You can bid on things like sunglasses, 
different outfits that some of the characters wore. You can get a full life-size skitter. I don't know where you'd put that. I don't know how they're going to get it to me because... But that is awesome. My goodness. But, I mean, how, cool how can would you that not be? want that? <laughs> yeah. Yeah. I would just put my that in, like, in, oh, like in my entryway at night. I go to bed. And then if anyone does break into my house... They get, scare the living daylights out yeah, of them. <laughs> one foot in and running away. You know what I mean? Uh, so there are all uh, kinds of things. Binoculars, grenades, all kinds of guns and knives. Uh, Tom Mason's uh, driver's license. You name it. Real? Yeah. All kinds of notebooks and journals and drawings and sketches and maps. and all, it's, it's amazing. So go check it out. iCollector.com and put some... Uh, put some Money towards some, uh, some collectible down. stuff. Yeah, it'd be really cool. Oh, yeah. Are Maggie's guns on there? Riblet is asking, but Ooh, I want to know. That is a great question. If I'm, because if I'm Sarah, I'm taking those home with me. Although, surely they had more than one set of those. That's true. She can have one. I'll have the other. Yeah. So. yeah I don't know. There are five pages. Of, I've got a, there's like 500 different okay. items, so I'm not going to scroll through them all. That's a well, great question. if I question. find one, I will put it in the show notes. Yeah. Actually, no, I won't because I want them. This is a conundrum. Go go find out. Go over to iCollector.com and find out. And there's all kinds of great stuff over there. <laughs> <laughs> They're arguing over custody of the guns that may or may not even be a part of the auction. I love that. <laughs> I'll fight you for them. Yeah. I'm super See, this today. is what happens if you don't come to the live show. You don't get to argue with Emily over the, the parental rights of Maggie's guns, nor do you get to see that parental she rights. is dressed as Supergirl tonight to, <laughs> uh, to, to uh, what's the word here? Um, Prepare? No, I, that's not the word I had in mind. But anyway, you, you're, you're doing the Supergirl podcast for Golden Spiral Media. Did we, did we say that? Was that's that correct. pre-show only? Should we, should I we think that was that, pre-show. Yeah, so, yeah. Yeah. so this coming fall... Well, end of October is mm-hmm. when Supergirl premieres. I will be doing a Supergirl podcast with Karen, uh, also of, let's see, she does Witness Prophecies and Under the Dome for GSM as mm-hmm. well as a ton yeah. of other shows. Yeah, she's over. done a lot of Gotham work because we, we had some, I think she came in on the back half of that show and hosted Gotham for us. And so, all right, yep. And anything, anytime we ever need a sub, she's there. She's, uh, she's awesome. So yeah, I'm she excited awesome. to have you and Karen doing Supergirl this, uh, this fall. You I'm guys are excited. perfect for it. So, but you know what? Speaking of things that are perfect, now's the perfect time. We might have actually already passed the perfect time <laughs> to get <laughs> we into this week's episode. <laughs> if you're still with us, we're going to yeah. start talking about the episode now. <laughs> we're talking about the auction, which is related to the show. Yes, that All right. is true. This and week, there, there are some really cool stuff. So, yes. check it out. Now, this week, I am pouncing on this. You go first. Your rating. <laughs> oh, you want you want me to ask you? <laughs> <Okay>. <laughs> no. <laughs> I gave this episode nine weapons of mass destruction. I like it. I like it. I don't really have a good reason for not giving it a 10 uh-huh. other than maybe the stuff about Pope, which I, I think I'll throw out for my prediction for the last episode mm-hmm. later, but um, just for how anticlimactic it was. Not yeah. necessarily that we won't get more from that, but... Mm-hmm. That's probably the only thing that really kept me from giving it a 10. Yeah, uh, there were there were two things slash three things that kept me from giving it a 10. One was the way that they handled Pope in this episode. One was the ending, well, and both of them were at the ending, the destruction of the communication device and the swarm of hornets coming in. Uh, we'll talk about those when we get to that point, but I didn't like any of those things. So I gave it nine papal explosions. <laughs> 
I like that. Very I'm kind nice. of proud of myself. Hey, we're that. we're finally on the same page. Or yeah. were we on the same page last week too? I think we were last week too. And here's the thing. So when you and I both saw, we, we both got to see this episode a little bit early and we were, we were so nervous about it and, and trying to hoping to hoping to like it, hoping that it would kind of steer the show back into the right direction, you know, as the penultimate episode, as, as a, as a penultimate episode should and I think you and I were both like doing the dance of joy after we watched this episode. Oh my gosh. I w- it was just like a relief. Yeah. And, and I mean, part of me kind of knew that the final two episodes were going to be good. Yeah. Just because like, I, and I say this every year, it takes so long for a season of Falling Skies to really come together. Mm-hmm. And it always comes together and always delivers in the last episode, if not the last two episodes. And I think the only, well, I think the the difference this year particularly was just, you know, that it's the last season and we wanted things to move along a lot quicker. Mm-hmm. But, but when you compare it to how other seasons unraveled, there was pr- probably no difference. I don't know. I I think the the way that they handled the middle of the season was just particularly yeah. bad, and and the Pope character, which we're gonna get a lot of yeah. feedback. We got a lot of feedback in for this episode, which I think is a good sign because, you know, people are more inclined to write in and say to talk about things that they liked than things they didn't like, and we got yeah. more feedback for this episode than we have any episode all season. And I, I because of that, I think it's it's a good sign. By the way, in the chat room, Riblet is giving it nine biochemists in disguise. X Force Eleven gave it eight point five faux pope deaths. I uh, see where he's going with that. Um, now, just to be clear, I did mention that we got to see last week's early. While we we did get access to it before we did the podcast last week, neither one of us watched it before we and and we, we that's just the way we operate. Like we yeah we have the finale already, but. I haven't seen it yet, and I'm I'm quite sure you haven't seen it yet. Nope. Is that right? Yeah, nope. but but I will probably have seen it 24 hours from now because yep. I'll you know, probably have seen it in two hours. <laughs> yeah, while I'm editing the podcast tonight, she'll be watching it. So we don't watch ahead and, and no. skew any of our opinions or things that we we do on the podcast. But anyway, it's it's, it's I'm feeling really hopeful now about the yeah. way it's going to wrap up. Yeah. Absolutely. Still, still has some Me concerns, too. but we'll we'll talk about that when we get to our predictions segment. But where do you want to start with our with our discussion this week? Well, I think we should start at the very beginning because <laughs> <laughs> it's tradition. Every week we like it. Where do you want to start this week, Emily? Where we do every week, Daryl, at the beginning. <laughs> Try to take over the world. <laughs> oh, oh wow! Man. I wonder if. I guess everybody in this generation. Surely they've seen that. Pinky in the Brain, right? Okay, I'm hoping. I'm hoping. Okay, so the beginning of this, I I really enjoyed the whole storyline of Ben being committed to learning about what's going on inside the shadow plane. And yes. They they handled it really interestingly, particularly with bringing Maggie in at one point, but. I thought it was clever the way that they did this, how they, uh, Ben goes through these cycle, cycles of sticking his hand inside of the communicator, which mm-hmm. we learned from last week, heats up his body. And, um, and then as soon as he comes out, they dunk him in ice water, yeah. leave him in there for as long as he can hold his breath, probably. And yep. then he comes out and starts writing things on the chalkboard. I don't really know. I mean, maybe, okay. So would you say that the reason he was writing on the chalkboard was because it was too hard for him to articulate? Or what was the real purpose of the chalkboard? Oh, I, I, you know, I hadn't thought about that. Maybe it was, but I think, I think it was more just to kind of 
take notes. I know why he wasn't, you know, talking while he was doing it. Maybe he wasn't able to communicate yet. That's a good point. But yeah, I, 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 I only thought of it now because I was I was watching. It made more sense when he was alone and doing it on his own. But but while he had people there, I'm like, why do you need to write on a chalkboard? Just talk to everybody. But like you said, maybe keeping track of the things that he had uncovered and and seeing them all together at once helps. But yeah, a lot of information at the beginning. So right at the beginning, the first piece of information we get is that there is a queen. Is that right? Because yeah. we we ended last week by Cochise uh, teasing that there must be someone in existence that he never thought possible. But we didn't, or yeah, we we didn't get any concrete information on who or what that thing was. Mm-hmm. Uh, but at the beginning of this episode, we learn that it is a queen. Yeah, that's right. That's right. Yeah. Um, and I, I, you know, I love this scene as a, as an opener, as like a cold opener with with Ben in the water and then coming out and just. It seems it seemed cryptic as we were trying to watch him write it up on the board. It was it was really good, and the information we got was really good. I tried to, at one point to write down all those things that we got on the board, and uh-huh. at the end of it, I even had him in, in in the show notes. And I thought, well, I don't think there's anything because I thought there might be clues we could kind of look and see, and I don't know. I maybe I shouldn't have deleted them from the notes, but I didn't think that there was anything on the board that that was really worth discussing. But um, okay, I don't know. Because some of it was stuff that he he was saying too, as he was, you know, we so we kind of saw the main things. I yeah, think. and they they kind of recapped, but I don't know. It seems like the most relevant piece of information that he got, not just about the queen, but then later on was about the foot of the giant yeah. and being able to make that leap to yeah. the um, Lincoln, Lincoln Memorial. Yeah. Now I, it, I I saw that you wrote in our notes here about. Oh, okay. So Ben is given or gives his dad the clue about the foot of the giant and Tom quickly deciphers it as the Lincoln Memorial. So uh-huh. right when he, when he was muttering to himself, the foot of the giant, foot of the giant, you knew exactly what it was? As soon as, no, as soon as Ben wrote it on the chalkboard, I instantly knew what it was. And it's just because I knew it had something to do with Washington, D.C. And so I thought, what where's what's a Bigfoot in Washington? I was thinking as literally as possible. What's a Bigfoot in Washington D.C.? The Lincoln Memorial. That's the only thing oh. that came to my mind, and and so yeah, it was not a mystery well, to me. It's so funny because like two or three weeks ago, I can't remember exactly. Brooke on Twitter, uh-huh. Heretic Rick, I think, uh, was saying, "Look behind him. It's the Lincoln Memorial." And I and I went back and I looked and I I didn't see what she was. Interesting. Um, pointing out but i'm like that was the only reason that i went straight to the lincoln memorial huh. was because of her because suggestion of on that yeah. otherwise I, I mean i just i just wasn't thinking about it i just was yeah. watching so but good job yeah so yeah. i mean <laughs> i loved how at the end there and tom says okay we all need to converge on the lincoln memorial he pushes all of the little yeah things right toward the what what would you call them like uh, risk pieces. Risk. I was just gonna say risk pieces. <laughs> he pushes all of the risk pieces to yeah. the Lincoln Memorial, and it's like, I I could see Hal in the background going like, I spent so long trying to figure out where everybody was. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Yeah, uh, but well, one thing that I think we saw by Ben's actions in this episode, you know, you talked about him talking with Maggie. I think in that scene, but just also his 
behavior there in the opening and then when he's in there by himself with the trigger device to to pop him out of it he is willing to to give all he is willing to sacrifice himself for what he believes is the greater good for the cause you know and so Mm -hmm. we've talked all season it was speculated barb especially been driving this one that he may die this season and but i think we all agreed that if he did it would be as a hero and I mean, there's no question this, mm-hmm. this episode certainly reinforced that idea. It was interesting that Anne said at the beginning when, when Ben wanted to keep going and they were like, no, no, mm-hmm. stop. She said that his organs were shutting down. Is that right? Or something along something those along lines. Those Organ lines. Fail- mm-hmm. failure. Um, and I don't know if that's like a tease for his whole body slowly shutting down, but he was still alive and kicking by the end of the episode. Yeah. So. He looked pretty, pretty bad there in the middle of the episode. He did look pretty bad. Yeah. <laughs> well, in the meantime, as, uh, as they still try to figure out where exactly in Washington DC, they need to go to, I call one of the reunions for this episode is the human reunion in Washington DC. So all of the humans from all over the country are coming to Washington DC to help the, Second mass invade. So do you think that the Ishvini have like an Ishvini on like a really weird beast <laughs> and he's running around like, the humans are coming, the humans are coming, the humans are coming. They have eyes everywhere. Okay. Like Lexi. What? <laughs> <laughs> what? <laughs> okay. I mean, come on. On a scale of one to really surprised. How surprised were you by Lexi's appearance? I think we have to ask this question in two ways. How surprised was I that she was an Ishvini? Is that what you're asking? No. How, how just like, just to see Lexi in this episode, whether she was Lexi Lexi or Ishvini Lexi. Oh, I, I, out of one, like, Yonsville, not surprised, to 10, like, what? And McMahon's at my doorstep with a giant chick? I would probably say, like, a seven or eight. Because I, I never thought we would see her again. Mm-hmm. How, how surprised was I that she was an Ashvini spy? A one. But that doesn't mean that I didn't think along the way that she might be telling the truth. You know, I did right. have a hard time kind of p- figuring out if she was trustworthy or not. So how, how about you on those on those different things? I was really surprised to see her. Yeah. Mostly because we had we had seen her once in Anne's... Um, yes, when she had in the, the ritual that she took yeah. part of with uh, Cochise, but and so like I th- I kind of just felt like that was the farewell. So right, yeah. and and so I was really surprised. I mean, I I wasn't Ed McMahon surprised, but in terms of how how much you can slip something past me on Falling Skies, yeah, I'm I was pretty surprised. Yeah, but you know, it's it's so interesting to me that they went this route. Uh, using her as an Ashveni spy, mm-hmm. not because the Ashveni aren't capable of it, but because it's such a low blow. And <laughs> I mean, is. after all they've done to just bring her back. Okay. Because th- this is my thought here is if she's back and I, and I couldn't ever figure this out with Captain Marshall, but doesn't that mean that they actually had to recover her body in order to have the memories and everything. I mean, because like she had the emotion, she had the memories, she had, she had all of the things that she needed to say, even everything up to, I never felt the impact, you know, 
so I don't know. I just, I, I don't know how they do it. And I don't, I know that's not a huge part of us deciphering the mythology of the Ashveni is to understand these human clones. But after Captain Marshall and Lexi, now we have two bases for understanding what this clone is. And my, my initial thought is like, they actually had to have her in order to do that. Well, correct me if, if I'm wrong, because I'm, I am not sure about this, but when Marshall died, you know, she had the black blood ooze out. So she, and she mm-hmm. had a mixture of red blood and black blood that was coming mm-hmm. out of different wounds, but she didn't like fizzle up, burn up and die when she died. Well, that's because they used the, the, the Dornia weapon on Lexi. Maybe, maybe so, right? Because we saw it from her wound kind of go, you know, kind of go through her and then, but I'm not so sure. I'm not for sure on that. And, and so I was just trying to figure out on, based on the different ways that they died, how they might be different. And, and so maybe, okay. maybe they didn't need a body with Lexi because it was a different experiment. They already had enough because they were so in one communication with her. They had all of the, their thoughts mm-hmm. and stuff all the way through. Maybe, you know, maybe I, w- I wouldn't say that's impossible at all. I mean, this is falling skies after all, but my, I mean, like my, my very first thought was that this is like they, the whole point of using that weapon was to understand how it worked on the enemy and to ensure that it would only work on the enemy. Yeah. So it attacked Lexi. Mm-hmm. She was Ashveni enough that it destroyed her. Yep. Because like, didn't they say that you, all you have to do is administer this to the queen and it'll wipe out all of the Ashveni? Isn't that what the Dornia thing said? Yeah. That's it. That's what the Dornia said, which because I don't it seems know about like, the Dornia man. <laughs> You want to go there now? I don't know if I, I don't want to just like derail us, but when we get to the Dornia, I just want it to be known. I don't know about them. (laughs) (laughs) Okay. Okay. Let's keep going here on Lexi then. Okay. So we know that Lexi, well, yeah, you know, I I don't know if I could say one way or the other. It was just, it was just a question to me because I, I, I was thinking that it's, it's an even lower blow if they recovered her body only to reanimate it for their own purpose. Yeah. Well, sure. You know, and and so like and just thinking about how the the writers were willing to go to a place where it's like the knife is already in and twisted around a couple times and now we're just kind of jabbing it again, you well, know. Well, yeah, and, that's what they did to Tom and Ann and I thought the Moon Blood good did a great job when she mm-hmm. sees the ashen remains of of what she knew in her in her mind to not be her daughter, but she hoped in her heart would turn out to be her daughter. And even though she had said goodbye in that beautiful scene that you just mentioned with Cochise earlier in the season, this was a chance for a moment. There was a glimmer of hope. And as any parent would, you want to believe that that glimmer of that, that, that glimmer of hope, that sliver of light is real. And it wasn't. And I, there was, she didn't say anything. She didn't have to. I thought Moon's acting there. She just looks over the ash and remains is just heartbreak all over again. Even though she knew that it couldn't have been, uh, uh, um, Lexi, she wanted it to be. And so there was still some heartbreak there. Really sad. Oh, yeah. Very sad. Yeah. Very well done. And I was so surprised. Actually, I shouldn't say surprised. I was really impressed with the way they handled Anne throughout this entire episode, because after the turmoil she's been through in the last two seasons, 
it's a she was really mature about this mm-hmm. in a way that you would hope that an adult would be but as a grieving mother you can never really be too certain and especially with the proximity of all the events that happened mm-hmm. losing your daughter in the course of a year who went from a baby to an adult yeah so i mean they just she did a fantastic job of acting through that being very i don't know a lot of a lot of facial expressions and and like half sentences where you can see her struggling to formulate some thoughts and and just i don't know it's like you you can see the internal struggle externally and i just i love it when actors can convey that sort of emotion yeah so how did you feel about it when we saw lexi and throughout the whole episode were you like how and from the very beginning you were like "Uh uh-uh no way or were you like ben and you're or not ben matt and going hey yeah let's give her the benefit of the doubt like we wouldn't treat dad this way or were you kind of somewhere in the middle like where were you on this thing well honestly i was definitely on matt's side there, there were a couple things from the end of last episode that had made me think Captain Marshall was the only one of her kind. And I, I'm not sure. Like, okay, so after the Dornia said, every time we capture someone, we hold them until we can consider their usefulness to our cause or whatever. Right. They have been so secretive about yeah. their motives yeah. this whole season that I thought it could be possible that this was further manipulation by them yeah. in whatever way, like either motivation or manipulation. It seems like, you know, their mission is to actually defeat the Shveni, but to no cost of, but their own, or, or, but to their own extent, not necessarily to protect the humans as we saw in this episode. So I don't know. I thought it was a blend of the Dornia and, and just like, I think at the end of uh, last episode, Captain Marshall had said something like, was it last episode that Captain Marshall died or was it two episodes ago? I think it was last week. Okay. Yeah. yeah. She had said something like she was an experiment uh, or something, you know? Mm-hmm. And so I, I had just, I don't know, gotten it in my head that she was the only one of her kind. So well, and I still think you could make an argument silly. that Lexi was a, it was a little bit different, although very, very similar. And I think there's no question about that, particularly as uh, Weaver was making comparisons to them throughout the episode. I think the intent was for us to also kind of uh, evaluate them in the same way or question them in the same way, maybe better, mm-hmm. better way of putting it. Yeah, I was I was skeptical from the beginning of the episode, the first time we saw her. But, you know, as uh, there were times where I wanted to believe her and, and times where I was just like, no, 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 I can't trust her until proven otherwise. But, yeah, I, I, I figured it out basically when Tom did. I mean, she started getting a little bit aggressive, aggressive when he was in there yep. and, and then asking for Anne. And I thought, mm, she's that means she's not comfortable with Tom. She's not, you know, he's not softy like Anne is. And I that's when I started to get really I'm like, I don't trust her at all now. And then like two screen minutes later and she's revealed. <laughs> See, so <laughs> That's actually, that's so funny because that's where I actually started to believe that she was legitimate because I'm thinking like, I'm thinking about myself as a child yeah. thinking like when dad is yelling at me, all I want is my mom. Right. <laughs> yeah. And so that's what, that was what was going through my head. <laughs> but, but I mean, it, even that, like I was, I was probably more in line with Tom. Like I was thinking, I have to think about her as the enemy mm-hmm. in order in order to get through this, but I am holding out hope that it is Lexi. So, yeah. 
I think I was, because Tom was, <laughs> bless his heart. I mean, he just wants to save everybody. And I thought he did a fantastic job this whole episode just in portraying what that would look like from a father's perspective and a leader's perspective. Yeah. Yeah. That was really good. Uh, Lexi said something that you have in your notes here, which is the queen is real, not some object of faith. And, you know, it's when she starts revealing some of this stuff that she knows. And she tried to play it off like, oh, I know this stuff because I was in a shvinny. But her tone in saying some of this stuff was a little bit sus- suspicious. But what do you make of this? Line? What do you why do you have this in your notes? What 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 was your thoughts on that line? Well, they had at, at some point. Well, I, I think it was all in the same little conversation i think was the first one that lexi has with tom he's asking her what she knows about the queen Mm -hmm. and i think she says something along the lines of it's similar to your god or you know and then (laughs) i just i thought this was a really interesting phrase to throw in there that the queen is real not some object of faith (laughs) <laughs> I just, I don't know. I, it's like, it's such a interesting take mm-hmm. on God, I guess, yeah. and not, and one that I'm not used to, I should say. And so it was a little bit of a, you know, a jab, but it was also like a complete, maybe, maybe it, more accurately, it was a complete misunderstanding or a, a complete Ishfeni misunderstanding of who God is. Maybe. You know? But it also, I don't know where the, where, the, I don't know if they were trying to be political or, you know, actually about that, if you know what I mean. Sure, but I do. It was just, it just struck me as really funny that it was thrown in there. <laughs> well, I, 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 I want to segue into, into Tom's conversation with the Dornia lady. Okay. Because I think it ties in with this. I think these two scenes, I think we can put these two scenes together and, and maybe, figure something out. You know, I, I said just a few minutes ago that I don't, I don't know about the Dornia and they've been so mysterious all season that it's been hard to trust them because we don't know enough about them, you know? And, and the only thing that we know is what they tell us, which, which is really hard to know because you're only getting one side of, of a story. Yeah. But when she gave Tom that weapon this time in this episode, which was a really cool scene. I love the spaceship coming out of the water. That was a great effect. I guess they blew some of their their uh, budget for this season on that. <laughs> it was well done. Yeah. The Beamer, I thought the Beamer in that scene was nice because it added to me wanting to believe that Lexi was 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 legit. I mean, we hadn't seen Lexi oh, yet, you know, yeah. but when we saw the Beamer, it's like Oh, that's how Tom got, you remember he woke up in the water in the ocean. Well, now we, I kind of thought, okay, well, that's how they brought him back in the Beamer. Right. And that's why he was in the water because their ship was yep. there. Okay, cool. I'm liking all this, making sense. Yep. But, and she said a lot of things, but the thing I want to tie in that we can talk about the other things is when, when the weapon, the little thing, the little fuzzy ball thing comes swimming into the ocean towards the sea urchin. Sea urchin that's what it looked like. She refers to it as an offering. She says, quote, this is her quote to Tom, take this right. offering and find her, referring to the queen. Yep. I will do my best to lead you. Tom, this is the time to trust the very thing that paralyzes you. And, you know, I'm not sure exactly what sh- what is paralyzing yeah. him, if it's fear or the unknown. I mean, trust the very I don't thing know. That paralyzes you. But she she calls it an offering. 
And an offering is something that you offer up to a God, right? Mm -hmm. So is she sending Tom off into a trap with this weapon for the, that will eradicate the Ishvini, but really offering it up as her offering to the Ishvini to help them eradicate the humans. And in doing so, Maybe there are other Dornia alive and she's hoping this will be an offering enough to either to get her people back or something like that. Huh. Or, or, or I don't know what the purpose of offering it up would be, but I'm just thinking, you know, when we think about an offering, especially in a religious connotation, we're thinking about something that is sacrificial for you to give to a higher power so that you can gain favor with that higher power or acknowledge mm-hmm. your mm-hmm. subservient. Uh, subservience to that higher power. You know what I mean? So Mm -hmm. I don't know why she would refer to this weapon as an offering. And I just think that maybe I'm reading too much into that word, but it it really stuck out to me. Well, it can, I think most significantly or uh, maybe most commonly offering is used in that context, but it's also used in the context of treaties between countries or between people groups, an offering that someone gives to someone else in order to solidify a pact. I don't even know how to phrase that, but because I'm thinking sure, of that's like, true too. I'm thinking of some Old Testament stories mm-hmm. it, that it, most strongly resonate with that word, at least, you know, saying like, thank you, thank you for letting us into your land. Here is an offering of our people or whatever, you know? And so I think I can see it both ways. And I think it's, it's, it's when, when, when you, when you couple it with what Lexi had said, it's really <laughs> a little uh, frightening. But I had taken it the other way as that it's an offering for like, I am the only one left and this is literally all that I have left. This is my last coin mm-hmm. <laughs> and I am going to give it to you because I think that you can do more with it than I can. And, and I, I don't, and I, I honestly don't know whether the Dornia care about the humans at all. But I, I do believe that they want to wipe the Ishveni out. Yeah, I, I, I would hope so. And, and Jeff, X-Force 11, says maybe it's a peace offering between the Dornia and the humans. I hadn't thought of that. I hadn't thought of it as an offering from the Dornia to the humans. I thought of it as an offering from the Dornia through the humans to the Ishveni. So maybe I just misinterpreted what she was trying to say. I, I I like it when you throw things out there like that because it's I just don't sometimes I just don't even think that way I mm-hmm. I I I think um I expect too much good out of people sometimes I want to trust Adornia I mean they've, yeah. they they if this weapon is what they say it is I mean this is great this is the silver bullet to defeat the werewolf you know and we can. I was going to throw a silver bullet reference, but only like two people would have gotten that. Um, silver bullet is a movie from the eighties starring, uh, starring uh, among others, a Terry O'Quinn when he still had a little bit of hair. Um, <laughs> it's a werewolf movie uh, based on a Stephen King book. Go check it out anyway. So, but, but uh, this may be the silver bullet that, that the humans would not otherwise have. They may have gotten to Washington, had all of their militia and then just been in a great spot to get mowed down by superior Ishvini technology. Uh, and I want to believe that, but I just don't fully trust the Ishvini, or the, excuse me, the Dornian. I don't see how we we could when all we're hearing is little pieces of information from. Well, wouldn't you say that 
that the second mass had a similar response to you in this episode because Anne immediately says, we don't know what this thing is capable of. We don't know what it actually does. And that's why they experiment on it. They test the rats and ultimately test it on Lexi. <laughs> and uh, spoiler, I mean, not spoiler, surprise, uh, Marty isn't a red shirt. He is <laughs> finally got a, his purpose. A biochemist. He, has he a is relevant. Purpose. He is I wish someone. I would have bet he dies in the yeah, next episode. He's not needed anymore. <laughs> You know, yes, and I love that because as soon as she gave it to Tom and she's like, take it to the Ishvini, it'll eradicate them from your planet. And he seems to just stop the conversation. He doesn't ask any more questions. I immediately put in the notes, Tom, you didn't ask her what it will do to everyone else around, you know, like yeah. the humans. And fortunately, Anne and some of those people did ask that question. But here's the other thing. It looks like it would have taken out everything because, you know, humans and rats share a large degree of DNA. And so uh, I think that's what they were trying to get us to, to see the connection there is it took out the rat instantly. It would have taken out humans instantly. Yep. So, again, that doesn't lead me to, to, to trust Adornia at all because they're – and here's the other thing. When she says to Tom, the queen is here, the queen is real, she comes when they believe that they have won or something – really strong like that right yep yep tom he, he he can't even believe it he's like we're, we're we're winning this and she doesn't acknowledge that he says that they're winning she immediately says we need to kill them all i'm the only one left of my people and and so she's not interested in the humans winning she has no i don't think she cares a, a dime about that all she cares about is the eradication of the Ishfini as payment uh, or mm -hmm. just justice for what they did to her people, her, 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 mm -hmm. you know, species. So that's it. I don't think she cares anything about the humans. And if that capsule would have exploded and killed the Ishvini and the humans in the process, so what? Right. No, I have, I have no argument with that at all, but I, I think, and I, and I might just be misunderstanding your point here, but they were skeptical enough to take those steps to not not to verify that the Dornia's heart is in the right place, quote unquote, but to ensure that the weapon that they've given them to use on the Eshveni will be used in accordance to what they want out of the war. You know, so they they've they've modified this weapon of mass destruction to specifically target the Ashveni or maybe maybe not target the Ashveni but to eliminate target the humans as targets so you know am i making sense here you know what i'm talking about i think so maybe yeah okay. yeah i think we're on the same page okay so so i'm not saying that the the dornia's motives are altruistic here i'm just saying that we were able or we we <laughs> the <laughs> the second mass was able right. to take a weapon that the Dornia offers up this weapon that says it'll wipe out the Ishveni, but they haven't cared enough to bother to tell them whether or not it'll harm humans, whatever. So the humans modified it in such a way that they can use it effectively. So they're, they're, they're taking advantage of the offering and it doesn't really matter what the Dornia's motives are. I, I mean, like at this point, it, it's, it's up to us. Like this, this is, this is like a life lesson, right? You can, somebody can say, here, take this pill. It'll help. Well, what if you're allergic to an ingredient inside of it? You're, right. you're responsible to understand what you're using before mm -hmm. you use it, right. you know? And so I think it was just, it was really 
intelligent on the human's part to not just accept alien help. You know, they, they've, they've had enough experience with alien weapon technology to understand that it, it can both help and harm. I mean, evidence of Ben's spikes. So it's not like they would completely discredit the weapon altogether. You don't want to, you don't want to just toss something aside that has a significant chance of helping sure, you defeat the course. enemy. Right, right. Okay. Right. Okay. So we've got a great theory happening here in the chat room. Uh, Heretic Rick says, if it's just a queen of Shvini, I don't know how the Volm didn't know about her. That's a good question, right? Because, you know, uh, Cochise was like, well, perhaps, and whatever. To which the Polish blonde responded, she's been buried under the Lincoln Memorial since before the dinosaurs. <laughs> That's actually not so crazy of a thought. Well, okay, not before the dinosaurs, but the Nazca lines. The Nazca lines, I mean, yes. We need to tie in the Nazca lines. how somehow. long ago? It was BC. Now, I'm not, I'm not even remembering anymore. Yeah. And those are in South America. Those are in Peru. Is that right? Yes. Yeah. Peru. So, so at least until then, I mean, now that it's been brought up again, I'm fairly certain whatever happens in the next episode has to do with the Nazca lines. Yeah. I mean, I, I don't know. If, I'm assuming they're going to get back to the Nazca lines and, and because at this point, all they have done is confirm that the Nazca lines have something to do with what's going on. But right. I'm kind of hoping they, they give us a little bit more of an exclam- exclamation explanation than that, <laughs> which honestly, I love that theory that the queen has been on earth all along and maybe the Nazca lines are some sort of uh, indication, communication treasure map or something to, to point the Ishvini back to her. Well, from what I remember of the Nazca lines, I mean, I, th- I think I remember talking about this a little bit and how a lot of the stories that come from that era talk about uh, rituals that have to do with beheadings and the name of the woman who was from Brazil. She was a professor that they got on the radio with Mm -hmm. Dingon. Her name actually signifies someone uh, like a a patron saint who was beheaded. You know, like there, there have been so many things about that leading up that that the there was a certain degree of dominance in the Nazca lines uh-huh. of of the people, the natives taking control of the land. So I don't know. It seems like I don't know. I I think what I'm getting at is that I don't necessarily think that the queen has been here the whole time because they said she was coming. So I and I think that's my only reason yeah, for saying that. They but, did say that, um, but yeah. Uh, I still don't know that necessarily means that she couldn't have already been here. Maybe she's coming in in the sense that she is coming out. Coming out from the center of the earth. Yeah, coming out. Yeah. But, um, so we've, and that's something that I think we need to know. We need to understand, you know, we're kind of getting near, near the end of our conversation here. But at some point, especially when we talk about next week, we've got a, got a lot of story here, a lot of, a lot of exposition that holes in the exposition, if you will, that kind of still need to be filled in in my mind. And this is one of them. Yeah, absolutely. I, I think because that they they've mentioned it this week, yeah. I have no doubt that they'll mention again next week. Mm-hmm. I mean, it, this is the, and and this isn't even the second time it's come up. I think Tom said something about it a week or two ago. You mean the Nazca lines? Mm-hmm. You know, something like mm-hmm. you know, just just bringing it back to our minds yep. and reminding us. Remember when we casually mentioned this in episode three? Right. <laughs> okay, so right. I think the next big thing that we need to talk about before we get into feedback is Pope's anticlimactic return. (laughs) (sighs) That's exactly what it was. 
It was two and a half minutes of screen time. I I mean, I I totally get why it happened the way that it did based on previous events. But I mean, okay, am I the only one saying that he's not dead? I mean, I'm not the only one thinking that. Everybody's thinking that, right? He's right. going to come back. I, I, th- I think so. I didn't add anything to the notes on this because you had said everything that I had in my notes. I mean, no body, no dead. <laughs> Although <laughs> I don't see, based on the fire that was there, the amount of... No body, no crime, Sean. No body, no crime. <laughs> the amount of rubble that was there. I don't know how he survived or could right. even get like, out of that if he is alive. But where Where he was hiding back there, unless there was a door. I mean, this isn't even one of those situations where you go i wonder you know maybe maybe he snuck out or i mean there, there's no how do i say this did i write this down <laughs> um tangier barb says cockroaches don't die, cockroaches don't die. <laughs> uh okay yeah okay so this was not a scenario in which i could believe that he didn't die even though i know that he didn't yes Yes, that's right. Is that a good way to say it? Because that's it's like way there were, I mean, the, that that those flames completely engulfed that entire section he was in, and unless there was a hidden door back there somewhere that he was able to slip out of quickly, I don't believe that he could survive that. Like a person cannot survive that. Yeah. Even though I know he will be making a return in the next episode, he was behind some sort of concrete little concrete post or something so i think that could have shielded him from the brunt of the blast and the brunt of getting a direct hit by fire but there was so much fire coming in it would have wrapped around that and then there was so much rubble that fell down i don't see how he could have escaped that but you can't do that to uh, to a character like this not show and not show us a body we've always seen the body well, of, not, of our heroes and not have anyone say it i think several people were saying it in the chat room like why don't you look for a body yeah and maybe they felt like you know it's we're gonna leave tomorrow so we don't have to worry about his stink we 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 don't have anything i want to take the time and energy and resources to uh move the rubble i don't know right i don't know but i'm with you no body no dead okay uh at the end of the episode when they have the Lincoln Memorial as their destination uh-huh. and they're, they're, they're loading up their trucks. They're going to leave, right? Yeah. That was the plan yeah. before this. And they, they, um, they blew up the communication device and the, they blew up the communication device. So they're preparing to leave. Right. But up until that point, I mean, Pope's entrance happened halfway through the episode, less than halfway, more than halfway, I can't even, more than halfway. Mm-hmm. Okay, well, there's still a significant amount of time in which they don't have a destination and they don't have an intent to leave. So it's not necessarily that, you know, we're all trying to just get ready to go and blow this joint, but they actually don't have anything. I mean, Dingon and, um, not, was it Dingon or? I think it was Dingon um, and Hal. Wolf. They're just sitting around. Wolf yeah, and Hal. Yeah, yeah, yeah. They're having some right? beers, right? And just yeah. relaxing. <laughs> it's like, yeah, yeah Pope's over you there. Guys can sit around and drink beer. Yeah. <laughs> I think you can go look for Pope's body. <laughs> yeah. I don't know. I don't. But here's the thing. Okay. Here's the thing. As, as dissatisfied as I am, let's say he is dead. Let's say he is dead. I look at that and go, golly, what a waste. What a waste of a character. 
What yeah. a waste of a season. And w- they built up all this tension between Pope and Tom, and that's it? Yeah. Like, the the second mask goes stormtrooper on him all of a sudden, and they can't hit him, and then they blow him up, and then that's it? We don't get to see him? We don't we don't get a real closure on the character that, that we had really, frankly, come to really enjoy? So, if he's really dead, that's my reaction. If he's not dead, then I'm going, Really? You're going to drag this out even more with this guy that should be dead and now he's not dead and I have to go through all this again. So this is a no win situation for me as far as I'm concerned. Oh, yeah. Not not even just no win. But I mean, like whatever they do with Pope in the next episode, there's no chance for him to redeem himself. And maybe that's not the point. Maybe it's not the point for someone to be able to redeem themselves. But but, but here's the thing. I don't think he can re- – if, if they try to redeem him, I'm going to be so mad that they even did this yeah. with him all season anyway that I'm not going to like it. And if he's not going to redeem himself, that just means he's going to be more of the antagonist. Well, look, if you wanted to make Pope the antagonist this season so that we would have an antagonist and have drama, even though I think it was a terrible decision, fine. But now we're in the ultimate episode, the final episode, where we are going against the, the, the final battle. We don't need any more antagonists. So if they bring him back to be more antagonistic, how many more times can I say antagonist or some variation thereof? That's you know, I'm just like, yeah. come on. So yeah. I'm sorry. I, I don't know what else to say. I probably shouldn't say anything. No, that's a really good point. And the only thing, I mean, as I was saying as I was saying the whole, there's no chance for him to redeem himself. Mm-hmm. I kind of, I kind of got this vision, not a vision, but you know, this feeling that of like, of just depicting that person who is always going to be that way, you know, and it is a shame and, but it does happen. And I don't know, maybe, maybe there is a chance that even though he doesn't redeem himself, that the end is fitting for the character not not necessarily fulfilling from a like okay so we're we're television watchers we're we're story lovers we like we like it when we can see character development and we can see people overcome their trials their yep. their shortcomings and and to become better people but i mean that's not the it's not very realistic you know it, maybe in the real world Pope never really gets those kinds of chances, sure, you know, and sure. and so he he's the criminal who couldn't keep it together, couldn't keep a hold of his kids. He was in jail. He's always, I mean, when we met him, he and his gang had been raping Maggie. You know, that was the implication anyway. So it's like we know how dark he's gone. So it's not like it's not really even that his arc over the course of falling skies has redeemed him. I mean, there's really been nothing redeeming about his character other than the fact that he was moving toward the light. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> right. right. Yeah. So, I mean, so in, the, I guess what I get held up by is the fact that he was moving toward the light and we were seeing that progression. And I mean, it's, it still doesn't eliminate the frustration that we had with the season. I'm not trying to say everything about the season is okay because, mm-hmm. you know, not people aren't always savable. <laughs> right. But I'm just saying, like, I don't know. Maybe I just have to start thinking about this in a different way and that, <laughs> that it's not necessarily that we want Pope to be redeemed, but we want to see the most realistic end for a character who was as troubled as he is and as, as crazy. I mean, 
I don't, I still don't think I under, I, I don't believe the crazy mm-hmm. side of him, the insanity. I do believe that he is that depraved yeah. and that corrupt. But I think when they made him go crazy, there was an imbalance between how I perceived his personality versus the true depraved nature in his heart or whatever. I don't know. That was really, I'm so sorry that was confusing. <laughs> so is Anthony now redeemed in your mind? Anthony is different because we he was a completely different person before he kind of went off the rails. Yep. I mean, it was we can attribute that to PTSD and say with certainty that he was a good person before all of this began. Yep. Whereas Pope was not. Yep. So, I think that was one of my questions. Do you do you feel like Anthony is legit? I yeah. And I said, Anthony is legit. I knew I saw that good look in his eye. <laughs> <laughs> it finally comes true. Because I, w- I was thinking, you know, if we if we don't believe Pope is dead, there could be a long con going on. With Anthony? With Pope and Anthony. Uh, I yeah. hope not. Anthony has I been really redeemed. He deserves to be redeemed. Yeah. Okay. And uh, I think it would be nice. He'll have a gun in his hand next episode. Shooting bullets at the uh, aliens. <laughs> Let's hope so. <laughs> Let's hope so. Yeah. Okay. My, good. My other beef with the ending was with the the horde of uh, hornets or whatever we want to call them, and the communicator. Both of those kind of happened at the same time. They they blow up the communicator because they're heading out to Washington, and I thought, man, I understand why they did it, but. They got some really valuable information off of that too. So I wanted to, I, I wish they hadn't blown it up, but I don't know. Maybe that was, just, it was definitely the safer option, but I'm wondering if they're going to find themselves in a jam because of it. But then they also have the, the swarm coming down on them. And I'm just like, <sighs> again, that means we're going into the final episode one hour. It's not even an extended episode. And we're going to be starting off with another thing in the way, keeping them from making a step forward, getting to the Ashvini. And I'm just like... Except in this case, it makes sense. Whereas in all the other ones, you knew it was just stalling. This one makes sense because they have the communicator, which undoubtedly is being tracked. Yeah. Which is how the hornets get here. But they... But Lexi says as she's dying... We're on to you. Yes. So they know what the humans are trying to do. Yes. So this one actually makes sense to me. Yes. Now, I, 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 I don't disagree with that. In fact, I agree with it. But I'm just, at the same time, I'm just like. <laughs> <sighs> yeah, no, I, I totally I totally get it. But I, I don't think it'll. I don't think it's like a full. full. I don't think like they're bringing all of the Ashvani forces here. I think they're just trying to deter them. You know, they're. Uh, what do they say about cutting off the head of the snake? Mm hmm. Yeah, the Ishvini no. are trying to cut off the head of the second mass, which is Tom. Oh, yeah. You know, I thought that was a nice so little they're, they're 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 being uh, intentional about attacking mm-hmm. the humans where their military strength or their military intelligence comes mm-hmm. from rather than just attacking. And I, at the same time, I feel like the because they're at the base, the base had some Humvees and, and a lot of firepower, right? They made it pretty clear that there was a mm-hmm. lot of firepower there. So I could see them, you know, crying out. Get your battle positions and then just mowing oh the hornets down and, and getting that being like a 30 second battle. And that's the end of it. I'm so excited for this finale. <laughs> I like, I just like all of a sudden got all of these emotions. <laughs> yeah. 
Ugh. Okay, well, let's make some predictions about next week, unless you've got some other things that you want to talk about. Did, did we get everything? Nope. I think we got everything. So what's going to happen next next week? What's going to make you... What's going to make you feel at peace at the end of this series? What has to happen? What will happen? Hmm. If you've got something, shout it out because I want to think for a moment. Well, I think the thing that has to, has to happen is that the Ishvini have to be defeated. Eradicated. Yes, absolutely. Okay. So eradicated means that the magic pill works and they're all dead. None of them survive. Yep. Okay. That's what you want. That's what I want. Yep. So you're like a uh, you're like a, a little Dornia lady. Yes. Okay. I am the Dornia lady. <laughs> All right. <laughs> Who has to survive? Oh my gosh. <laughs> okay, I am I'm just going to throw this out right now. Nobody dies. None, Nobody dies? None none of the Masons die. Mm. Not not that that's what I want. Mm-hmm. That's what I think will happen. Okay. Because after how much we've been speculating about one or more of them dying, I'm just going to throw it out right now. None of them die. <laughs> and I could totally see that. But and, and honestly, Tom seems, you know, that's not true. He, do, he still seems like he could die. I mean, look, the Dornia gave him the thing. He has to, he has to administer the pill. Yeah. So in order for that to happen, well, I suppose he could die immediately after administering it. But that, that, that seems like that would be really bad drama. Well, that would be like when September died. Spoiler alert. Spoiler alert. <laughs> Whoa. <laughs> September's nobody. I didn't say that. I didn't mean that. September, October, yeah. November. What I meant was October. He meant at the end of September. Yes. I, well, I meant October. October died. October. Yes. October died. <laughs> December really died. He died too. Yes. He died. Um, <laughs> anyway, people who don't watch Friends are like, "What are they talking? Have I Barb says, the right show? Emily, I wonder if she's talking about talking nobody dying. About? My prediction that nobody's dying. Okay, so okay, no so Masons die. No, no Masons die. I mean, I think people will die. They they have to get to the Lincoln <laughs> Memorial. So obviously, people are going to die, but it's going to be very convenient. It's going to be Marty. The Masons die. It's gonna be Marty. Oh, yes, Marty's gonna die. Several <laughs> of the people in uniform well, because he's now now he's fulfilled his purpose. Now we know That's that right. he's a biochemist. Yes, and now what do we do with him? You That's know? right. He has fulfilled his special purpose. Now he can become an oil can. Weaver doesn't need anyone else to pack his underwear. He's got. This. <laughs> That's right. <laughs> okay. All right. Okay. What about Anthony? Um, anything else? I don't think Anthony will die. I don't either. I don't think Ding that would gone? be fulfilling. Sarah, Sarah. <laughs> I love, I love. <laughs> nope, no, not to Maggie. Uh, Ooh, how about okay? Isabella? So in this, in the, in this, in this episode, Hal was eating with Isabella, but not, but he didn't have any conversations with Maggie. Yeah. Do you have any predictions there? I think it's still Hal and Maggie riding okay. off into the sunset to repopulate the earth. I kind of hope so too. I think that Matt is going to be the the new leader. I I said new last leader. week that he's too young, but I don't know that he is. I don't do you know. think do you think we'll get a flash forward of any kind? I th- see okay. See here's the thing, right? There's so much. Like they have to get out of uh Fort Bragg. I think that's where they're at, right? Virginia. 
They have to get to Washington. That means they have to they have to kill the Hornets, get out of the fort, get to Washington, make their attack on the oh, Ashvini. I see what you're saying. You know, there's a lot of now. Don't get me wrong. They could they could wind up in uh, Washington after a commercial break. It could be that fast. But there's still a lot that has to happen here, and and I do think that eradicating the Ashvini is not enough. There needs to be some sort of yep. of prologue here where. We get the uh, or, or epilogue rather, or um, we get the. Um, I, I would like some wrap up on on what happens in the future, and I yep. would I would like some answers on the Dornia. I still feel like we don't really know. I'm not satisfied with that storyline. That's a good point. I wonder if we'll get any follow. And the Volm, I would like to know what happens with Cochise. Does he go find himself a a, a lady, and they help to re, rebuild the forces of the Volm because they've they've been or will decimated the Volm too. bring all of their all of their mm-hmm. uh they, they're they're keeping them all safe on another planet somewhere. So right. maybe they'll bring right. all their people. There's so many good possibilities. <laughs> That's why I mean, come on, they've had all season and they've got all this crap they need to resolve in one episode to do it. It's not crap. It's good story stuff, but they've given us crap yeah. instead of good story stuff. <laughs> well, this is the time to pull out the good stuff, right? You save the mm-hmm. best for the end of the party. Yeah. That's what everybody says, right? So I'm going to say drunk. Um, I'm still torn between Tom and Ben. Neither. Come to yeah. I'll say Tom dies. Tom dies. Come to the dark side. Tom Hello. will die. Maybe Tom and Ben. <laughs> you're mean you're just mean you want everyone to die if I could pick only one it would be Ben that guy come here I have a secret <laughs> no I'll say Tom Tom will die <laughs> make up your mind man it's kind of sad for for uh, Anne though man do you think Anne will die no she'll end up with Marty <laughs> who's I thought he was dying though they'll go off and make wonderful beer together <laughs> The beers that save the world. That's right. <laughs> okay, what do you say we get into some listener feedback? Because we have a lot, and it's already been like an hour and a half. <laughs> yeah, we have a lot of great feedback this week. So uh, we have a lot of audio feedback, which we love, because that means we don't have to trip up trying to read. Uh, or me, your excellent reader. So let's get it kicked off with someone that we haven't heard from all season. Hey. Do you remember Mark, that guy oh, in the Great White North? Mark. Yeah. Mark sounds familiar here he is maybe you'll recognize his voice hey guys mark from ontario canada here calling in feedback for berserker cast sorry i've been absent for most of this season but i just binge watched it over the last few days and i'm finally caught up to where everybody else is and i'm able to send in my thoughts so since i've been away for this season i'm just going to quickly go over some of the stuff that happened in the previous eight episodes before getting into this last one Pope. It was interesting to see what happened, but really in this last season with so little episodes in order to tell the story, I really thought the whole Pope storyline, especially the part with him kidnapping Hal and Tom going after him, was a real waste of time. And especially if what we saw in this last episode, if Pope really is dead then I think that was a really lame use of this character. Not that I really want to see him back. We only have one episode left. So I really don't want to see Pope come, even if it's to save the day. I'm just hoping that he is dead. But if that's the way they were going to get rid of him, I think they could have done a lot better for this character that we've followed for the entire series. Now, I can't believe that they actually didn't go looking for him. Once that explosion went off, Tom just said something like, so long, Pope, or that 
But did they actually go look to see if there was a body or anything? Anyways, I hope it was just because they didn't have enough film time or whatever, but I don't want to see Pope anymore. The whole storyline with Marty and Weaver, that whole thing was a complete waste of an episode. In my opinion, we could have seen so much more of other things that would have been more interesting than that. Yes, Marty has been helping out, and in this last episode, he used his chemical knowledge to help with that big lozenge pill thing that was given to Tom. But I would have been happy if just somebody in the, whatever, Virginia's 14th or whatever, if one of those soldiers happened to have a chemistry background and was able to help out, that would have been great as well. So that whole story with Marty was a waste of time. Now, as far as this episode goes, I never really trusted the Dornia. That pill thing they gave Tom, sure, it might wipe out the Esveni, but I think it'll just wipe out everybody because they don't care. They're just out for revenge. And if they manage to wipe out the Esveni, they'll be happy and they don't care what sort of collateral damage there is. So I'm glad that they did look into that and see if there was some way that whatever it was could be non-lethal to humans. I just find it very strange and convenient that they were able to figure that out in a matter of a couple of hours. When Matt found Lexi in the woods, all I could think of is, oh no, not again. I mean, haven't we been through this before with the fake person? We just did it a, a week ago with the uh, whatever, that military girl that's leading the uh, the Virginias there. And what I was glad is that none of the Masons fell for it and thought, oh, I'm going to go on the her side like some had before where they were kind of at odds with each other. They pretty well all stood together and said, no, this isn't Lexi and we don't trust you, which I was glad to see that. And it turned out to be the right stance to take. In my opinion, the best thing about this episode was Anthony redeeming himself. I understood why he went with Pope. I didn't understand why he stayed with Pope. So I was really happy when he mm-hmm. threw himself in front of Anne there and protected her. And I can understand Weaver's stance where he still doesn't trust Anthony, but he's going to let him rejoin. And the last thing I have to say is, whatever happened to Tom's limp? And he was shot in the leg. He required a cane to walk. And all of a sudden now he's running and jumping and leaping all over the place. It hasn't really been that long, has it? So overall this season, I was really anticipating it. I had been saving them. And as I said, I would just binge watch them over the last few days. And I was really disappointed. I'd really come to enjoy Falling Skies in the last few seasons and listening to Berserker cast. I'm still catching up on the podcast. I'm not up to date on them, but... Just overall this season, I've been really disappointed and I I thought there was a lot of other things they could have done to take this show out with a boom. So I'm not going to rate this particular episode per se, but so far the season as a whole, I'd give it four distracting rabbit holes. This is Mark from Ontario, Canada, hoping the finale makes everything we've seen this season worthwhile. Wow. Yeah. You know, I was... I was really glad to hear, actually, that Mark hadn't been watching all season because I was interested to see, you know, if somebody who had been binge watching yep. would have a different perspective yep. on the events. Because, you know, like when, whenever you binge watch something, you have a much different perception of the time it takes to get through all of these. Right. We watch week to week and wait week to week and we're just disappointed and disappointed. So, you know, Mark, you are not alone <laughs> in being disappointed by this season at all. But it is very interesting that that binge watching did not help that at all yep that was my observation and listening to that too that's disappointing i was hoping that binge watching it would have given a a different perspective than what we have had with it but you know we'll see maybe what they pull off next week will make us all go okay you saved the season (laughs) and the series here's hoping yeah (laughs) well and, and if not if not the season at least the series because 
if this if if the next episode can resolve the problem at hand, which is the aliens, mm-hmm. I will have no problem going back and rewatching the first four seasons. You know, yeah. It's just I don't know. I'll in a year I'm gonna I'm gonna rewatch this season, and I don't know. Maybe we'll have to hop on the mic again and say, yeah, has it improved at all for you? <laughs> this isn't possible, right? But what if the the Ashvini kill all the all the humans? <laughs> <laughs> That's the oh my gosh it started with that invasion so and it funny. ends with occupation just like they said i might take funny. my tv just pick it up I and really go hope, to the street <laughs> i i really hope that they put something in the in the blu-ray like alternate ending where, <laughs> where that actually happens where the Ashvani wipe out the humans yeah uh, <laughs> just for the sake of doing it okay and because it's steven spielberg exactly yeah <laughs> all right well thank you mark good to hear from you thank you mark. Uh, i would love to hear from you next week for the final finale all right let's uh move over to justina here she is hi daryl and emily wow that was another great episode of falling skies I'm really going to miss this show, and I'm really going to miss BerserkerCast. I give this episode 9 out of 10 ice baths. I was thinking about that quote from last week, that our friends look like our enemies, and our enemies look like our friends. It got me thinking how confusing it would be if in the final battle, since we've never seen any of these other members of the Mason militias, because we're just coming together here for the final episode, so we're not familiar with any of these characters, that what if when the second mass starts to fight alongside some of these new people that appear to be human, but really aren't human and are really Eshveni in disguise in this new hybrid they learned how to make, and maybe a character like the Skitters that we have been afraid of for five years turning on the overlords and helping the humans because skitters are slaves, so they may turn upon their captors. All I know is that after five years of having this show be a staple in my summer, I'm just hoping for a happy ending. Have a great week, and let the battle begin. That is really well said there at the end you know because i've been watching the show from the beginning i i can't remember if you have as well i have yeah okay i remember seeing a preview for it seeing spielberg seeing mm-hmm. Be- beeman and robert rodette and going i have to watch yeah, that yeah and i have been watching since the very first episode so i totally agree that all I want is a happy ending. I mean, we, we were talking about who's going to die and and who's going to live and what what do you want to happen to be satisfied. All all I want is a happy ending. Give me my happy ending. <laughs> That's right. <laughs> what was it Chip used to say at the end of, of Fringe? Oh yeah. I want my happy ending, damn it. Yeah, that's, that's it. Yeah. But that sounded familiar. Oh, <laughs> uh, sorry. This this is usually a PG podcast. I apologize for my dirty mouth pg-13 mouth all right thank you justina and uh i hope we get a happy ending (laughs) next week all right let's move on to martin who is a new feedbacker to this podcast but no stranger to golden spiral media and regular contributor to uh, aero squad for example right yes 
Yes. All right. Here he is. Hey, guys. This is Martin calling in here. Just finished the newest episode. Much better than the last couple, for sure. It's a good lead-up episode to the finale. I'm just hoping that the finale is like three hours long because they've got a lot to show us, a lot to tell us. And a lot has to happen for this story to come to an end. I just feel it's not a good time to end the show. It really needs to stretch out at least another season, maybe two seasons more, to really give it a proper ending to the grand story that they created over the last five seasons. So I don't know what they're going to do in the finale. I'm just hoping they it doesn't end up being one of those really quick finishes. But anyway, um, this episode, it was strange that they had Lexi come back. I don't know what for, just to get the actress some more work or not. I don't know. I, I, I like that Mason and, and none of the characters, none of them really believed her. They all kind of figured it was a trap and just were waiting for her to reveal herself. So it was kind of funny, actually, that they all knew it. And then perfect opportunity to test that new magic bullet. But, uh, um, and then Ben constantly diving into the Shveni communicator device there and finding out more information. I mean, that was pretty useful. Just seemed a little bit not connected to the episode. He seemed to be doing that separately all on his own. Like it wasn't really part of the flow of the episode. So it was a little bit weird seeing it. And you guys are, I think you guys are right about Matt. You were talking that, uh, he's probably the next, next leader out of the Mason family because the, the two older brothers don't really have a leadership quality, but Matt seems to be the only one really learning from his dad and following in his footsteps. So I believe you guys are correct there. Pope. <laughs> that was probably the only part of the episode I didn't like. I have not liked what they did to Pope. I think they've ruined his character by making him become this rogue villain, out wild villain again, because you know what? It's not working. Him shaving his head isn't working. He doesn't look intimidating. He looks like a goof. <laughs> his acting for what? I mean, I don't think it's the actor's fault. It's just the way they're getting him to be portrayed now. He just looks like a goofy idiot that just is in the way, like an annoying insect. He was way cooler when we first got introduced to him, and he was a badass leader of kind of a gang. He was cool and intimidating and a, and a problem back then. And then even when he joined the second mass, he was just a, he was a, a thorn in Mason's side, but he was a versatile warrior and good character to have around, a bit of an antagonist. And now that they've just, they've just ruined him by sending him out again. And that just his whole bravado, you know, being carried in on a stretcher and kind of rips off his max. <laughs> it's me. And he's running around shooting and nobody can hit him. All these trained soldiers that are taking out, uh, Shveni and, and all, just left and right. They can't hit one human in the wide open that's just shooting a gun. If I just, I felt like I was watching a stormtrooper shootout on, on the Star Wars movie or something. It just, it was ridiculous. But the, and just his attitude, the way he was dancing and prancing around. And, and then they blow him up. And that surprised me. I thought, I couldn't believe that they, with his grand, ridiculous entrance, and then they finish him off just like that. Which kind of, if, if he, that is the end, if he doesn't pop back up again, then it's kind of laughable because it, it's like they realized shoot, we ruined this guy, we just got to get him off the show now. And that was that. <laughs> so, interesting. Yeah, I mean, this whole thing, they're bringing in the queen. Like, uh, We need another season after this. You can't just bring in the queen for the final episode. There's a big showdown, the killer, boom, it's over. I, I don't know. I, I'm, I want another season. 
they need to they need to flesh this out a little bit better. That's my feels. Talk to you guys later. <laughs> Not a lot of love for the uh, the Pope storyline from anybody so far, and I don't I don't think that's going to change. You know, it's so funny that he says they need to flesh out the story because it's like, what were they doing all season yeah, long? Exactly. Not fleshing out this story. I mean, this, the end of the story is so rich with content and possibilities. It's like they, they got to, they got to the, um, what is it called? The army base or the naval base. Where they're at now? Yeah. Yeah. They, they got there and they were like, oh, now we know what this story's supposed to do. You know, it's like it's like they didn't know it until they wrote themselves to that point and then it was too late to change anything because with all of this material, why would you why would you waste time doing stuff like the Skinner factory and and keeping yourselves in in Chinatown for four or five episodes? I mean, they were there Maybe even longer than that. Yeah, I think so. And then you had the 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 fairy tale farm and just nothing. Fairy tale farm. Yeah, nothing yeah. good. So yeah, it's a good such a bummer. Yeah, it's a good example of of a wasted season to this point. We still have one more episode left, but I just don't see how they can re- totally redeem the 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 season. But they can still redeem the series because there's a lot more comprised yep. of a series than there is a season, and so we yep. can kind of look over some of the failings of this season, but. Absolutely. Yeah, but Martin, good to hear from you. Glad to. Yeah, thanks, Martin. Thanks for joining our podcast. Now that we have one episode <laughs> left, I know that I told him like eight times that we do this podcast, and I told him again last week, and he's like, "What? Why didn't you tell me?" <laughs> Martin, come on, yeah. man. <laughs> well, he's going to be at the meetup next week at Dragon Con, so you can slap him in the forehead there when you okay, see him. I will do that. Yeah, I'm looking I forward to meeting him. I've never met that. him before, so it'll be. A, Neither have I. It'll be it'll fun. Be fun. All right, speaking of fun, let's hear what Judy had to say this week. Greetings, Second Mass and Berserkers. This is Chechi Judy, the Polish blonde in central Massachusetts, Worcester, with my feedback for Reunion. When I read the teaser synopsis, I was thinking that Reunion in the title was going to be the big knockdown, kicking, screaming, hair-pulling, dirty fight between Pope and Tom. I was not expecting all the reunions that we did get. First off, Lexi, man, I felt for Tom and rode that emotional roller coaster with him. I wanted Lexi to be the same girl we saw bravely sacrificing herself for humanity. But Weaver was right. She wasn't our Lexi. I wonder how many molecules did the Ishveni find to clone Lexi like that? They couldn't have been that much left after the explosion on the moon. Number two, Pope. I really like they kept this short and explosive. Boom! Goodbye, Pope. (laughs) That bad penny ain't turning up no more. The only thing that would have been more satisfying is if they were moving all that rubble and found Pope barely alive and Tom shoots him between the eyes. (laughs) Or hell does the shooting. Either way, it's just a tad bit more satisfying. Though I did briefly grieve the loss of all that fuel. Number three, Anthony. This was the biggest disappointment of the episode, but it does follow suit with the rest of the season. His behavior this season has had more flip-flops than a gaggle of teenage girls heading towards the pole. I don't know if anyone's going to bring this up, but I was on a bus trip once from Norfolk from my hometown. I don't remember it being a short jaunt between Washington, D.C. and Norfolk, so I checked it out on Google Maps. I like the fact that you can get the travel time from Norfolk Naval Base 
There isn't an army base there, just a naval base and the Coast Guard and the Lincoln Memorial Circle in D.C. You can get it by car or by walking. Now, it did appear that they had many more vehicles in this episode than they had before, and enough that no one commented on the loss of the pickup truck when they blew Pope sky high. But did they really have enough vehicles so that everybody can ride? Not so sure about that. Could be wrong, but I'm not sure. Per Google Maps, it's a three-hour trip by car. However, with people walking, it's 66 hours. Walking definitely would not have get them to D.C. by Weaver's timetable. Well, that really doesn't matter according to that final scene anyway. I also think that I saw Tom being snatched again by one of those hornets from hell in the preview. If so, I hope he remembered to bring that Dornia squid thingy with him. So, I give this episode eight and a half cryptic scribbles on a blackboard, just because of the elements that did remind me of Fringe. And like that show, I am looking forward to the finale, yet dreading it, because it'll be our last one. Until later, this is Chachi Judy, the Polish blonde in central Massachusetts, signing off. She thinks Pope is dead, and I kind of hope she's right. Yeah. Really? I mean, I want to be done with him. just in... Yeah, because any no. any any more Pope action we get is detracting from all the he can be resolved. We may not happy be happy with it, but he can be resolved, right? But, so any screen time we get from Pope is just detracting from the things that have not yet been resolved. Yeah. Good, better, otherwise. So I hope she's right. That's a good point. I yeah. I mean, it was really good, and I I just I love hearing people's raw thoughts about mm-hmm. the episode because you know that they they all sent these in before we've been talking about it yeah. and just to be able to be reminded of where people's heads were at each stage is yeah. really cool to hear yeah, so definitely all right well thank you judy one more audio this is uh, barb hello emily and daryl this is barb calling in with feedback on this week's falling skies epi reunion i'm giving this epi 9.5 dead rats and that may or may not include pope this was what we wanted an action-filled epi that took us closer to the finale. I'm just going to jump right into it. Marty, Marty, Marty! You could see Weaver's annoyance until Marty said he was a biochemist. We need to make sure that we tell Chip and Sarah that beer will save the world. The second mass is within striking distance, and the Asfini will do all they can to stop Tom. The Lexi experiment was great. I think we all knew that it wasn't really Lexi, but until she yanked Tom into the cage, it wasn't a done deal. So here's the big question. How was Lexi able to articulate the same type of experience that Tom had with the Dornia, although Lexi said her experience was with the Asfini? I think that foe Rebecca is the Asfini queen. I think her people, the Dornia, came to our world centuries ago and created the Nazca lines to direct them back to Earth one day. The Dornia were conquered and enslaved by the Asfini before they could return. They hid eggs or other alien DNA on Earth near the Nazca lines, away from the Asfini, and they need to retrieve it to rebuild their race. One of the conquered Dornia females became the consort of an Asfini king and has led the Asfini to believe that she is now firmly Asfini, but her ultimate goal is revenge upon the Asfini who destroyed her people and retrieving this alien DNA which can restore the Dornia to the universe. She has chosen Tom to help her. How else could foe Rebecca, who said she couldn't appear to Tom in her natural form, have this incredible spaceship at her disposal if she's the last one left? And how else could Tom and 
Folexi have the same Dornia experience. Remember that one of Ben's messages on the blackboard was, she is here, not she is coming here or she is due to arrive, but she is here. And faux Rebecca is here and has arrived on her large alien spaceship. Tom said last week that our friends look like our enemies and our enemies look like our friends. Faux Rebecca may have known that the virus she gave Tom would kill the Asphini and the humans alike, but not impact the Dornia so that she and her people can take over the earth and make it their new home. My guess is that the altered virus, thank you, Marty, will ultimately kill her as well, and the humans will emerge victorious. So what else was on that blackboard? There was a drawing. It appeared to be similar to the three-chamber design of the Lincoln Memorial, with a center X for the placement of the statue of Abraham Lincoln. The other two chambers of the memorial have the words of Lincoln's most famous speeches, the Gettysburg Address and his second inaugural address. If you recall, Tom was inscribing the Gettysburg Address in his cell during the first episode of season four. Here are the endings of both speeches and how I believe we will end Falling Skies next week. First, the Gettysburg Address. The world will little note nor long remember what we say here but it can never forget what they did here. It is for us, the living, rather, to be dedicated here to the unfinished work which they who fought here have thus far so nobly advanced. It is rather for us to be here dedicated to the great task remaining before us, that from these honored dead we take increased devotion to that cause for which they gave the last full measure of devotion that we here highly resolve that these dead shall not have died in vain, that this nation, under God, shall have a new birth of freedom, and that government of the people, by the people, for the people, shall not perish from the earth. And from the second inaugural, with malice toward none, with charity for all, with firmness in the right, as God gives us to see the right, Let us strive on to finish the work we are in, to bind up the nation's wounds, to care for him who shall have borne the battle, and for his widow and his orphan, to do all which may achieve and cherish a just and lasting peace among ourselves and with all nations. Emily and Daryl, thank you for taking us on this adventure. Let freedom ring. That's amazing. So emotional. Yeah. I love her theory about what she said about the Ishvini and the Dornia and the, the, what, the, the, the lines. I'm forget. Oh, the Nazca, Nazca lines. lines. Uh, I'm just, my concern is if all of that is true, that's a lot to have to explain in one episode. Thing. But I do right. like it. It's like we said a couple of weeks ago yeah. with the great feedback we got in and, and uh, we we both said, man, that's great, but gosh, that's a yeah. lot to have to resolve. I know, and that's why, like, I keep going back to just the fact that you know it, it's got to be, it's got to unravel the way that they're telling us it will, because otherwise, every every other scenario is just too complicated to convey in forty five minutes, and that's the only reason I'm really sticking to that. I wish, I mean, all of these other possibilities, like the the long theory that we got in a couple weeks ago and Barb's and even Judy's, you know, they're all great theories. 
and they didn't explore anything unique really about the mythology of any of these alien species that we got a yeah. a long look at and that's a little disappointing because you know uh something that we're we keep forget or we just don't mention a lot is that the skitters are enslaved dornia right and it is entirely possible that that this dornia woman is there to free her people right right i mean so she knows she must know that it'll wipe out all of them because if the if the weapon took out Lexi, who was half human, half Ishveni, it'll take out the Skitters, who are half Dornia, half Ishveni. At least that's my theory. Maybe so. Yeah. Maybe so. Thanks, Barb. All right, we have one feedback, and this one comes in from Mike of the Continuum podcast and Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D. podcast, The Sandbox. Uh, okay, he says, Thank goodness this episode had such great forward progression. I really enjoyed the development of the Dornia weapon and how it was initially harmful to humans. It's true that the last remaining Dornia really doesn't care about the humans as long as she gets her vengeance, and that flaw in the weapon was a nice way to emphasize that point. Mm-hmm. I also loved the big map room with Dingan calling out different state militia names. I find it interesting that the disparate groups all chose to use numbers and state names for their bands of survivors, even though they surely had origins other than the military beginnings that the second mass had. My coworker, Dave, and I disagreed about the Lexi plot. I thought it was awesome, and he didn't care for it at all. I understand how people might feel that the do we trust her or not has already been done to death with Lexi in season four, but I really liked the play on the scary cloning idea that the Ashveni can now do uh, the results of which we saw with Captain Marshall. In fact, it almost redeemed those earlier episode episodes for me. <laughs> almost. Yeah. I can only hope the finale is in the same vein. Can't wait to see the queen. Hmm. Hmm. I that that's a good point that he makes. Uh, that the the really good part about the Lexi plot was that it brought validity to the Captain Marshall plot and and made it not stand alone. Yeah. So that's that true. A that's a good point. I hadn't really thought of that. Yeah. Thanks, Mike. Thank you, Mike. Lots of good feedback oh this week. And uh, we'd love to hear from you next week. You can call us at 304-837-2278 or head over to goldenspiralmedia.com slash feedback. The deadline is Tuesdays at 6 p.m. Eastern. And we're going to record our podcast Tuesday at 8 p.m. Eastern, so we'd love to have you join us for that over at goldenspiralmedia.com slash live. Are you going to be dressed up in a superhero outfit again next week, Emily? I might be. Mm, I have to wait and show up to the live show to find out. Yeah. Or I might be wearing something else. I will probably be wearing one of my new t-shirts next week. I'm wearing my You Have uh, Died of Dysentery t-shirt tonight. Morgan um, Trail. I'll be wearing Star Wars or what did I get? Star Wars and Batman is what I got this coming in this week. So I am Batman. We'll see which one I wear. But anyway, come to the live show, find out, and we'd love to have you. Now, you can also follow us on Twitter at GSM Podcasts. And by doing that, you can participate in our Twitter poll. This week's question was... This week's question was what is the biggest surprise or what was the biggest surprise to you in the penultimate episode of Falling Skies? And 
I because like I was surprised by at least three things, and so I'm like, if I was surprised, somebody else has to be surprised, right? So, but yeah, people were surprised. It was great. Uh, we got a lot of great responses. That's a good question, uh, Emily. Oh, thanks, Daryl. You're welcome. Uh, okay, Tangier fourteen says. How Pope came in with guns blazing, thought he would sneak in, but of course, that's not his style. And the Dornia ship. Uh, Jovial Falcon says, Pope not dying, quote unquote, on camera, very disappointing, mm-hmm. and that beer will save the world. <laughs> <laughs> Indeed. And Judy says, Lexi, period. Yep. <laughs> uh, Solo Talk Media says that Tom is running like a rabbit. What happened to his limp and his need of a cane? <laughs> Also, how Pope died, if he actually is. Mm-hmm. Mary J76 says, The biggest surprise for me was that Pope was eliminated before the last episode. Or was he? Mm-hmm. Uh, Continuum Podcast, I'm assuming this is Mike, says, If Pope is dead, it's an anticlimactic end for a favorite character. If he's not, it's a trite redemption story too late. Uh, Justina says, Marty is not a red shirt. He was introduced for a reason and the introduction of the weapon. Yes, he was. Yep. Heretic Rick says that we didn't have this stuff introduced like four episodes sooner. (laughs) (laughs) I love that. And then she responds and says, real answer that no one checked to see if Pope was dead. Yeah. Uh, Zort70 says, surprised that no one checked for Pope's smoking corpse and <laughs> that I was sort of right about Lexi's return. Yeah. <laughs> yes, you were, sir. Yes, you were. By the way, uh, go check out Zort70's Twitter. Uh, he, he posted a photo a couple days ago, a fantastic photo of the Mason boys. Yeah, but he, uh, he's a great graphic out. artist, has all kinds of yeah. geeky things that he has made. Uh, if you went to the Lost 2014 event, he he created the one of the two logos that they used for that the the lost bottle right. cork bottle minus yeah minus stuff camera over here so anyway yeah he's got yeah. lots of great stuff so check him out yeah. check it out yeah. and finally x force 11 says that people actually think pope is dead <laughs> <laughs> I loved these answers, guys. I was, I was, I, I can't always respond to things while I'm at work, but I just watch them come in and giggle. Yeah. It's awesome. Well, that's good uh, stuff. Yeah. Again, follow us Ooh. on Twitter at GSM Podcasts. Uh, re- we'll send that out Monday morning and usually tweet it a couple of times before the show and use the hashtag. But we only get to do one more. I know. BC Twit next week. So BC Twit. Look for it um, and respond. This will be your last chance. Mm hmm. Last year. Yeah, we'd love to have your response. So as I said, live shows at 8 o'clock Eastern on Tuesday, goldenspiralmedia.com slash live. The feedback deadline is 6 p.m. Tuesday, uh, goldenspiralmedia.com slash feedback or 304-837-2278. Emily, what's going on next week? Next week is our series finale entitled Reborn. I'm sorry, did you say series finale? I said series finale. Say it ain't so. Did you not did you not know this was coming, Daryl? Is this a surprise to you? Was this the surprise? Yeah. <laughs> did you What I was most surprised about this week was BC Twit. Yeah. <laughs> BC Twit. No, my my BC Twit answer would have been that Lexi came back. Okay. And that we saw Scarlet Burn. I did not expect that. So well, what's it called next guys, week? I, did you say that? It is called Yep, I said Reborn. Okay, Reborn. Any speculation so. on that? Interpret that as you will. I think it will be the rebirth of the human race taking over the planet. I do too. 
represent. Yep. <laughs> All right. Well, this has been fantastic. I am so excited, so excited to talk about next week's episode as soon as we watch it, of course. But so many things to be answered, so many things to look forward to. And guys, I don't know. I just, I just want to encourage everybody listening to this. You know, even if you don't normally send in feedback, send us a reaction. We just, we just want to know that you've been listening and that you had a positive or negative reaction to the finale. It doesn't matter. Send something in. Uh, use our, use our feedback form on the Golden Spiral Media's website. It's so easy to do. Doesn't have to be long. Doesn't have to be well thought out. Just react. We want to, we want to know some reactions. So yeah, exactly. We are excited to hear from you and looking forward to that time. Indeed. All right. Well, join us next week. Thank you for joining us this week. And until next time, I'm going to go dig through some rubble and try to find some Pope pieces. And while you do that, I'm going to go take a nice bath.